So I want to introduce our speaker. This is uh, Brother Gidrose. Uh, he has a brother that I went to school with and was very close to. And uh, he is a younger brother, so he's a younger guy than, than I am. But uh, Brother Ron Gidrose is a great guy. He's a great evangelist, preacher, pastor, leader. He's been all over the, all over the country, all over the world, preached in many places, has a head full of knowledge, understanding of a lot of things. And Brother Gidrose, we are delighted to have you here with us. Man, this man's been preaching the gospel for a long time. His father uh, was a district superintendent in Texas for years and uh, has come from a long family of just giving their heart and their life to the Lord, and we deeply appreciate him. So, Brother Gidrose, we want you to come, take your liberty here, talk to us, speak to us. God love you. We're so glad to have you. Please. And praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Give the Lord a great big shout of praise. I bring honor to our bishop here this morning. What excellent teaching this morning, Pastor. You have blessed the flock of God with the great word of the Lord, such an able teacher, and you have been blessed through his leadership, and uh, Pastor David Meyer, if you're watching me this morning, I hope you have a good time in that pulpit. That's my favorite pulpit in Woodlawn, so you, you enjoy that wonderful, humongous church. You've got an awesome pastor Everybody say, we've got an awesome pastor. Come on. Everybody say, Pastor, you're super califragilistic Everybody say, Amen. Amen. I'm so happy to have my dear wife with me this morning, Jerry Ann. And we're happy to be here. We. We're invited here, but you didn't ask us to move here, but we moved here. We brought our home with us. Amen. So we're going to stay a while. And uh, I want you to pat your neighbor on the back and say, I love you, love you, love you. Some preachers bring their notes to the pulpit. I bring my library. Oh, God bless. I'm happy to see uh, Luke and Gregory here this morning. And uh, what great guys. I hope y'all are taking care of sweet Sophia. If you're not, I'm here to, if you're not, I need a counseling session this evening, please. God, take care of that girl. Everybody say amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. When I came to Jesus, I settled it all. I gave him my life to control. Neither fear nor persuasion could draw me to Christ, but his love 
captured my soul and I'm a prisoner of love I'm a slave to the master and I willingly toil through the heat and the cold and I seek no reward in this world below for payday will come when the pearly gates unfold he holds me secure with his love strong and true I'm happy his servant to be I'm in bondage to Jesus Forever I'll stay My soul doesn't want to be free Cause I'm a prisoner of love I'm a slave to the master And I willingly toil Through the heat and the cold and I seek no reward in this world below for my payday will come for my payday will come come on or my payday will come when the pearly gates unfold. <clears throat> if you'll open your Bibles with me this morning, I am so delighted to be here with you and get to share some of the precious word of the Lord. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 21. I just want to tell you I love your pastor and his family so very much. My wife and brother Meyer sit on the board of directors for the Lighthouse Boys Ranch in La Ronja, Louisiana. We get to work in several venues together for the great United Pentecostal Church. Pastor David, I so love and admire you and thank God for the way God's using him around the world and using this church to bless people around the world. Can you say amen? amen. The great church and I know God's hand is heavily touching you. I'm reading from the 21st chapter. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. 
then the seventh he shall go free, out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife should go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, and unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And I'd like to preach this morning on the love factor, which I feel like is the most important factor in our relationship with the Lord. I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter uh, chapter uh, 5 and verse 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath. Honor thy father and mother, and the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, and thy days may be prolonged. Also, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Can everybody say amen? amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And I feel like that Israel missed the point. Everybody say amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as we're seated here this morning. You may be seated. When I was in Bible college 53 years ago, and I know I don't look that old, but calendar says I am. We would have chapel services during the week and one of us Bible college students got to preach. And so on a certain morning we had a student named Kent Mathis that was in Bible school and Kent was the most unusual man you've ever met. If he was on a, uh, a bus, a a city bus in Houston, he'd stand up and start preaching to everybody. He was most unusual. And whenever he, it was his time to preach, here's what he said. Well, I'm going to preach to you this morning, Bible college students, is more important than the Bible. What I'm going to preach to you about this morning is more important than Sunday school. What I'm going to preach to you about this morning is more than important than going to church. More important than reading the Bible. I'm going to preach to you about something this morning that is more important than praying. Lord God, he built it up. More important, what I'm going to preach to you about this morning is going, going to church. I'm going to preach to you something more important than going to church. More important than winning souls. 
more important than preaching revivals, more important than baptizing people in Jesus' name. And I mean, he was vivacious. I'm going to preach to you about something more important than receiving the Holy Ghost, living a holy life. I'm going to preach to you about something more important than fasting. And after about 20 minutes of telling us what he was going to preach about, he finally told us, what I'm going to preach to you about this morning is loving God. I had not thought about that until last night in prayer. And I said, that's exactly what I'm going to preach. First Pentecostal church is that we can't miss the point. That we can have all the commandments in the Bible. But if we don't love God, we are not going to do the commandments. I looked it up in my Bible this morning, my, my Dr. Dake's Bible. Dr. Dake studied the Bible over 100,000 hours. He said that there were 2,713 commandments in the Old Testament. That's a lot of commandments. But you can't, you can't enjoy doing those commandments if you don't love your master. Can you say amen? amen? We can have the Bible if we don't love the God of the Bible. We're missing the point. We can do all the things that are essential to do, but if we don't love God, we have missed the point. I've been closely examining my love factor to the Lord because I know that in reading the 24th chapter of Matthew that we are coming to that great final day that Bishop taught us about this morning, that great day of the Lord that's coming. Can you say amen? How many of you are looking forward to the great coming of Jesus Christ? Come on. Set your eyes on the eastern skies. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. It's time to get all the sin out of your life. It's time to get all the negative things out of your life. It's time to get all the unbelief out of your life. Jesus is coming. And you don't want anything to drag you down. You don't want any weight to hinder you as you soar through the sky. So I've been examining the love factor in my life. Do I really love Jesus? Jesus said, if any man love me and hated this brother, he's a liar. You prove your love to God by loving one another. One man said, Lord, here's a big offering I want to put in the treasury this morning. Jesus said, put it back in your pocket, buddy. You have feelings against Joe Doe over there. You go over there and make things right with Joe Doe. Then come to the altar with your sacrifice. Because you can't love me around Joe Doe. You got to love me through Joe Doe. God has called us to love one another because he so loved us. We so love him and we so love his church. Apostle Paul, I read the other day in a commentary, he said he had a strong conviction that the church had to exist in an ecclesia, in a body, in a family. 
in a family context because there are no loners in heaven. You see the sign of the turtle on top of the fence post. He didn't crawl up there. Somebody put him up there. And when you see yourself in the streets of gold, it won't be because you got there by yourself. You get rid of that independent spirit. Get, that, get rid of that self-aggrandizement spirit. We've got to have one another. We've got to bond the body of Christ. We need one another. My wife and I teach a session on, uh, on uh, forgiveness, living the life of forgiveness. And we go through the little scripture where Jesus said, in one day you forgive 70 times 7. That's 490 times, right? And so in our marriage, sometimes in our little motor home, we'll get up, you know, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Get in my way when I'm trying to brush my teeth. You're forgiven, you're forgiven. Get in my way when I'm trying to get my shoes out of, out of the, out of the uh, drawer. You're, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. By noon, I got about 175. You're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And by 2 o'clock, I've got about 275. You're forgiven, you're forgiven. Everybody say, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Punch your neighbor and say, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Punch your dear wife and say, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Those eggs you fixed me this morning. <laughs> I told you I wanted two eggs. You said, how do I want them? I said, I want one fried and one scrambled. And when you gave them to me, I said, you scrambled the wrong one. You're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If you get to 490 times by the end of the day, you're going to have a wonderful supper together. You got to let forgiveness flow. Come on, folks. The church has got to be a house of forgiveness. We haven't come here to chuck up sins. We haven't come here to condemn the world. We've come here to forgive the world. Woo! My God, there's a hallowed Holy Ghost anointing in this house. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Jesus put him on the spot. I feel like Jesus putting Ronnie on the spot. Ronnie, 24 chapters, Matthew says, you're going to be taken to the magistrate and killed. Do I have enough love for Jesus to be a martyr? Do I have enough love for Jesus to die for my brother and my sister? Do I have enough love in my heart for Jesus Christ to die for him? So I've been examining myself. And in my examination, I, I started reading an old book in my library. And it's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And our friend, there's a lot of things that's going to be brought to judgment. A lot of people I'm going to face with the judgment. I, I told a, a missionary the other night, I said, I, I don't want you to stand in, in the line with me at judgment. Brother, down in Panama City with Brother Stewart. I said, Brother Stewart, please don't get in line close to me. Because I haven't done the kind of work you've done for the Lord. And... I don't want Fox's Book of Martyrs to be brought up because this is the book. This is the book of life 
but this book proves that the love that's in this book will carry you through hell or high water. And folks, you're going to need something in the days to come. If you can tell, the world is waxing worse and worse. And if you ever needed Jesus, you really need him a lot right now. But you're going to need him next week more and more. And the next week more and more and more. And every week is going to get more and more valuable to be a part of the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. This book, it is said, it was in every cathedral in England. This book was written in the 1500s. It was literally chained with the Bible to every lectern for the access of the people in every cathedral church in England because they wanted the people to know this is the book but this proves that devotion to the word of God and love for God is what's going to really carry you through come on everybody let's give the Lord a little bit of praise right now This tells about Stephen, who was a martyr. It tells about James, who was beheaded. Philip, that was crucified. Matthew, slain with a halberd. James, the son of the less, he was clubbed his brains out. Matthias, he was stoned. Andrew, crucified. Mark, dragged to death. Oh, the devotion of God's people. And right now in your world, 90,000 people a year are being killed around the world that are Christians, they're martyrs. And if you Google, ask old Siri, Siri, how many countries are killing Christians today? It'll give you the list of nation after nation after nation that's killing Christians right now. Come on, everybody. While I've been in this pulpit 10 minutes, two have already died. Every five minutes, a Christian dies. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Come on, do I really love him? Do I really love him? Come on. Everybody say, do I really love him? Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, he desired an hour of prayer when it was his time to be brought to the fire pile and burned alive. And... He prayed so fervently that the guards were, they repented. And he prayed and they said, if you'll just swear, we'll release you. If you'll just reproach Christ. Polycarp said, 80 and 6 years have I served him and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? And he stood there immovable on the flames. And when they noticed that the flames arched around his body and would not burn him. They were right under his body, but they would not burn him. Isaiah said, you'll walk through the fire and not be burned. And they found those arched flames around him. And whenever they saw he would not be burned, somebody came up and stabbed him and his blood put out the fire. Ronnie, do you really love him? Come on, somebody. Everybody say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. No matter what, I love you. 
I came to church this morning not just to be counted, not just to be present, but I came because I love you. I got up this morning with love for you flowing out of my life. I'm here. What's carried me through the years and the decades is my love for him and his love for me. I read to you the story in Deuteronomy. That's the story of the love slave. In the Old Testament, there were scriptures that covered slavery. But it wasn't forced slavery. It was employment slavery. That was voluntary slavery. It wasn't, it wasn't a forced it was an employment. In other words, instead of saying, I have an electrician, you just say, I have an electrical slave. It was not the force that we hate is in the history of the world and the history of America. That's abominable for slavery. Can everybody say amen? amen? We don't like it. It's in our history, but we don't like it. Can everybody say amen? But in the Old Testament, God reminded Israel, don't you ever forget, I brought every one of you out of slavery. Whenever you became employees of Pharaoh, that was called slavery. And one man could say, well, every six years, I can, I can leave, but I'm not going to leave you, master. Because I have fallen in love with you. And, and so, I was, we, my wife and I live in Galveston. It's an old historic town. And I love junk. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> and I love antique stores, junk stores. And so I was walking from antique store to antique store in Galveston. I came upon this store. And I'd met the owner previously. And uh, he told me, he said, just go to the store. I'm back here in the back. I'm working on making old tables out of old wood. And painting it makes big, big, big bucks out of old boards. And when he, I got through, I went back and I was talking to Scotty. And uh, he turned off the saws. And I uh, sat on the old, the old uh, table saw. And uh, we started talking and I started witnessing to him and I saw tears come into his eyes and I said Scotty the other day I was preaching in California and my pastor friend went to London I took care of his church my wife and I did for two weeks and while he was over in London with several of my preacher friends they go to bookstores and buy antique books and he bought me a book and when he got back from London, he gave me this book. And I didn't know about the book. I Googled it. The hard copies go for as high as $4,000. And this one's probably worth two, at least 2000 And I said, Scotty, I've been reading. I've been reading uh, the old book, digesting it very slowly. And I came across a paragraph, Scotty that's got me pretty 
mesmerized. And the, the I said, I want to just tell you about it, Scotty. And here's what Scotty, I, I read, I told Scotty. I said, Scotty, he's a multimillionaire. I said, Scotty, the writer said, it's a powerful experience when we come to what is called a communion service and we get the wine and the wafer by the minister that is serving. And Dr. Clark said, that's a powerful experience. I think we can all say amen to that. But he said, nothing is more powerful than if that same minister, because most people, when they take communion, they're at a kneeling rail, or they can use the back of the pew, and their hands are side by side on the kneeling rail. And he said, if the minister would take a ribbon and tie around the wrist of Bishop and Ronnie and declare, Bishop, I'm your slave. Bishop, you're my slave. To help me be saved. Help me succeed with my family. And in the course of life. He said, if you would bond together as servants one to another, you could literally change a community. And if we could see one another as each other's servants, helping one another with the trials of life, how many more people would be in the church if we were encouragers? And helpers and workers, one for another. Get up here and hug my neck, yo servant. Oh, she can't. Okay. I'll just come down and hug his. Everybody say, I'm his servant. I'm his slave. I need him. I need him. He needs me. And nothing's going to come between us. There's nothing I can't forgive him of. And there's nothing he can't forgive me of. He said, wait a minute, Ron, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And so he went in the back. When he came out of the back, he had with him an old antique shackle and it it had the name of the slave owner on it and he said Ron if you walk out of my store Market Street go down to 32nd and 33rd avenues if you notice there's a raised piece of concrete and that's where when the slaves would come off of the ship that come and stand them on this raised piece of concrete and that begin the auction. And there were 82,000 slaves in the fields of South Texas 
1900. And New York was a slave market. We reject that. Everybody say, we reject that. But they took slavery to a lower level than the Bible slavery. Servitude. Interchangeable words. Come on, everybody say, I'm your servant. And he brought out this old shackle. I tried to buy it from Scotty. He wanted $1,500. It's, even though it's just a rusty old piece of steel, it's a classic. So I had a friend made me one. And I, I just imagined an old guy getting off the ship, been floating around down the belly of that old ship, smelly, filthy, lonely, no hope, no rights, nobody cared, no hot soup, no cold milk, sick in the stomach, no doctors, rolling on that old ship, maybe 30 days, and he gets to Galveston, and they bring the old, the old guy up, and, 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 uh, and they stand him up, he'll give, he'll give, he'll give. Somebody said, oh, I, I think I can make a few dollars off of him. And comes up and, and uh, puts an old shackle on him. Ties an old chain around his neck. Get over there in that cart. That, that, that bull will pull you down to my, my plantation. And he's laying there. Where am I going to sleep tonight? What kind of bed will I have? Will I be scratching chickens and mosquitoes and roaches and and uh, spiders and snakes and, and uh, will my master hate me? Will my master be rough? He had no idea. He had no rights. He goes down to that plantation and, and uh, I, I don't know how many tears would fall on those old shackles. Broken. Bound. Helpless and sold. And Jesus said, Israel, I got every one of you out of slavery. He that sinneth is a servant to sin. You think that slavery of our American history is abominable? I'm telling you right now, there are millions that are incarcerated with drugs and they can't get out. And rich cartels are keeping them shackled with one dosage after another dosage. With one porn magazine after another porn magazine after another porn magazine. Bound! Don't ever forget, he set me free. Yes. 
He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Jesus to see. Glory to God. He set me free. What the devil is doing to our world right now is worse than Pharaoh's bondage of Egypt and America's slavery history. But Jesus never did want us to get the slavery persona out of Christianity. Because when Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, he said, I'm going to take on the form of a servant. I'll be a slave. I wish I had that old cross that's out there in the hall. Y'all want to drag it in? You can. Jesus said, I didn't come here as a king. I came here to set you free. I came here to rescue my human race. Oh, I just want to weep right now. Thinking about the love of God. Are you thankful for God? That slave said, okay, I've been six years with this shackle. I don't need shackles. I've got something in me that's stronger than steel around my neck. Because my love shackle is stronger than your steel shackle. Because nothing's going to separate me. Hell or high water is not going to separate me. And everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Everybody say nothing is going to separate me. First Pentecostal church. Come on, everybody. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. He saw the world shackled. Not by Pharaoh. Not by history. But with sin. Does anybody have a loved one? That's in a prison right now. I don't mean in a U.S. prison, thank you. I'm talking about a habit prison. Oh my God, folks, come on, somebody help me. One of my grandboys selling marijuana in Colorado right now. And I'm praying, God, let me get him out of that jail.
Come on. I weep and I travail. Because the blood of Jesus Christ can pull my boy out of marijuana sales right now. The whole world screamed out to Jesus. Get on that cross. We have no hope but you're being the Lamb of God. If you don't get on that cross in the fullness of time God sent forth his son to give his life on that cross. And God put that, the world put the shackle on Jesus. Come on, everybody. The man that made this shackle, they asked, Who, whose name you want? I said, Jesus Christ. So Jesus took on himself the form of a servant. My servant, my slave, my hope. Somebody help me right now. There's a devil telling you I'm lying to you. I'm not lying to you. He whom the Son set free has anybody ever been delivered from alcohol? Would you stand up and shout? I had a man call me one morning. I'm on what is called the POR list, the appointed refuge. And anybody can call me that's desperate and needs a confidential ear. And the guy called me from California and said, Ron, you don't know me and I don't know you. But I can't live one more minute without talking to you. I'm hooked. I got to have help. I'm on pornography. And I started talking to him. And I started praying with him. And on a regular basis. And now that's been four years. And he called me the other day. He said, Ron, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. It's been months. It's been months. It's been months. Somebody help me shout here this morning. This church is all about deliverance. It's all about hope. It's all about help. And every sinner that ever lived. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody say hallelujah. Everybody say I shackled Jesus. I made him go to that cross. Get on that cross. When he became our deliverer. We ought to be dancing here this morning. Remember, I brought you out of slavery. Remember, I became a servant. Paul said, I, a servant to Jesus Christ. Another place, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He got so locked in that there was no prison that could keep him shackled. That's why I sang to you all ago when I came to Jesus. I settled it all. I gave him my life to control. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Aren't you glad he became our love slave? He said, no man takes my life. I lay my life down. I'm glad to be your servant, church. I'm glad to be your slave. And look where he sits this morning. While we're here worshiping him on earth, he's got thousands and thousands of angels. Four and twenty elders are bowing before him right now, praising him. Everybody say, I love you, Jesus. Come on, I love you, Jesus. I'm not going to miss the point, Israel. The point is not the 2713 commandments. The point is, if you love me, you don't need those commandments. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm going to end this with a story this morning. I married Jerry Ann. I was 16. When I proposed her, I was 15. I married her when I was 18. I'm sorry. Sounded pretty young, didn't it? Get married. Pretty young to get engaged at 15. But look how smart I was. At 15, look what I chose. You got me. And I had a brother that we were raised together. He was only three years younger than me. And we were sumo wrestlers. I don't know about Luke and Gregory, but we were sumo wrestlers. We literally loved to wrestle. We drove our mother nuts. And when I left home, my brother lost his way. He was six foot four, 350 pounds. He was a hunk of a man. He got out there in the world, got out there in those bars. He was a, he was a bouncer in a nightclub. He got into the underworld. And his car was, was hit with bullets and he had nine stab wounds. He was in the world. He lost his way. And I was out preaching after I went to Bible college. I was out preaching. And Lowell was out. He just lost his way. And when my father, he called me and said, Ron, Dad has, has told me to leave. Never wants to see my face again. Put my clothes out on the street. And, uh, and he said, uh, I want you to leave. And he said, I'm going to ask you, Ronnie, will you salvage my life? I was preaching with Jerry and we had a little travel trailer. It was only eight by 24, two little bitty girls. We were already packed full. And I said, well, if dad will approve it, I'll let you come in. So he moved in with us and we traveled all over California. And I said, now we're gonna have to agree, have some agreements now. One was, you gotta pray every hour I pray, I will. And he did. And you got to fast every day I fast. And he said, I will. And he did. And uh, he, he told me, I told him, I said, now son, I want to tell you. I do not want to hear the story of your life. I don't want to know about the jails. I don't want to know about the sin. All I want to know, Lord, is what are you going to do for Jesus Christ from today forward? Come on, everybody. We don't want to know about your life. We want to know what are you going to do for Jesus. Am I doing all right? 
And so my father told me this, and so did Lowell. And Lowell became a great evangelist. I mean, he had thousands, literally, and I'm not, I'm not boasting. He had 3,000 get the Holy Ghost in seven years. Great evangelist, wonderful preacher. But he told me, he said, Ronnie, the last time I was in jail, Dad, B.A. Gidrose, came to the jail, Harris County Jail, 8,000 bed jail, and uh, said, Ronnie, he, he asked the jailer, he said, I'm a preacher, my son's in jail, and I want to know, will you give me the keys, because I want to be the one that unlocks his cell. And the old warden said, you look like an honest man. So he gave my dad the keys to my brother's cell. And my brother was way down the other end, all of these cells, bars. And my dad got on his hands and knees. went back to jail. Now God made us in his image and in his likeness. And I believe I just showed you a perfect portrait of our God crawling to your cell. He's crawling to your pew right now. And you know how shackled you are. You know how hard it is to come loose from those bad habits. Come on, somebody help me. But you've got a very humble God. If he will crawl to the feet of his betrayer, Judas. If he will crawl to the feet of Judas and wash his feet. And love him even though he had betrayed him. You're serving a very humble God that wants to help you this morning. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to just one somebody here this morning. God has come to help you. We're not trying to get you into religion. We're not trying to get you into denomination. We're trying to get you to the feet of Jesus. Every prayer warrior, help me pray right now. 
Somebody come running to this front. No more shackles. No more chains. He's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he gave his church the keys to your deliverance. Could everybody stand with me right now? And I'm going to ask you to intercede for somebody here this morning. Oh, what a Savior. He's got the keys. He's got the keys. How many young people will come and join me at this prayer area this morning? I love my master. I'm in church because I love my master. I'm not here for social reasons. That's not the factor. Religious reasons, that's not the factor. The only factor of my life is I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. He went to Calvary for me and I'm going to live my life. Come on, young people. How many moms and dads will come and stand? Grandparents. Thank you, Lord, for setting our children free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can't forget. I still remember the place you found me. And I surrender when your grace chose the form of a servant. Chose the form of a servant. He came to serve you. He's healing you right now. He's healing your marriage right now. My Savior. He's got the keys to my life. Jesus has the keys. I'm not going to die on